Welcome to the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast, where we remember a time when stacks of cards were held together with rubber bands and Mickey Mantles were put in bike spokes. We hope you will enjoy and reminisce as you come along with us as we tell stories about the baseball cards from the Golden Age of Baseball. We will examine the state of the vintage baseball card market and talk to some of the greatest collectors in the hobby. You won't be hearing us talk about any chrome or shiny cards here. Now, to take you on this retrospective journey, here's your host, direct from the shallow end of the gene pool, my son, Mike Moynihan. Yo and hello everybody, welcome to the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast, special Hobby Palooza 2023 edition. Yeah, I made Hobby Palooza, so I get an hour to talk about whatever I want. And I'm also going to dovetail it into a nice episode of Hobby Palooza, where uh, usually, you know, we talk vintage on the podcast. So if you're not familiar with the podcast, it airs on YouTube, on Vintage Clear Media, and pretty much podcast wherever you can get them. If I sound different today, it's because I am battling. A sickness i'm just i'm sick and it's no fun but i got to power through it for the benefit of you know everybody out there that actually cares to hear what i have to say which all three of you I, i'm powering through it for you guys but today we're going to talk about a topic uh that is interesting it might be a little controversial i want to first say to everyone uh thanks so much for being a part of hobby palooza uh we'll talk about that i'm just going to bring my guest on now it's my great friend josh rated rookie good to see you man getting the band back together we're getting the band back together i've got to put my glasses on so i can actually read all the comments that are coming in um yeah thanks for hobby palooza you like hobby palooza josh it's been fun man i don't know how we're gonna follow uh pepino and lou rock mangini yeah we'll have to uh do our best but you know, tough act to follow. What are you going to do? I, I made yeah. the schedule, so I, I did it to myself, I guess. Right. Put myself right after Pepino. But, uh, man, it's uh, interesting. I, I got to give some props to some friends that have helped, being that I was sick. And last year, Jet dang near killed me uh, taking care of all the back-end stuff. I've had my two Johns. Uh, 3d 80s kid and that 70s card show and danny black all helping engineer different episodes and different hours and give me a break to where i can just enjoy watching like the rest of you so thanks to you guys but let's talk josh for let's just make this point about iconic what makes a sports card iconic first question for you do you think that's an overused term in the hobby i definitely think it's overused yeah, everyone thinks their cards are iconic. We can get into what it means, um, but I definitely think it's an easy term to throw out there. What do you think? Totally overused. Uh, I didn't really notice it as much until Dave started a uh, Blue Jacket called people out on it. And I'm okay. like, oh, now that you think about it, people do call a lot of cards iconic that maybe I don't agree with being iconic, right? All the time, man. All the time. So you said, let's define what it is. Well, I'm going to give you the dictionary definition of what an icon. So iconic is 
you know, a derivative of icon. And an icon is a person or thing that is revered or idolized. So if you think about that definition of an icon and or then being iconic, uh, something has to be revered. So does that make it or idolized, right? So does that make it subjective or objective in terms of what someone might consider iconic? It's a good question. For me, it's subjective. I think it needs to hit certain threshold in terms of impact on the hobby, the set, the technology, the player. Um, but ultimately, I think people have their different lists. I came up with my 100 iconic cards in my last video. I tried to pick stuff that hopefully has stand, stood the test of time. Um, but what do you think, subjective or objective? I think it's incredibly subjective, which means it is doomed to be misused, overused, whatever. Uh, I, I do agree with John's comment here. Norman is definitely iconic. But does the player have to be an icon? for his cards to be iconic? I don't think so. I mean, for me, this card's iconic, right? Was was Billy Ripken an icon? No. Not necessarily, right? But if you're trying to tell the history of the hobby, if you're trying to, say you were asked to go into a school and give a presentation you know, on baseball cards and tell the history of baseball cards, what are the cards that you, if you were given unlimited budget, would you bring with you, right? And I don't think it necessarily has to be the most expensive cards. Obviously, the 52 Mantle is going to be in there. But it can also be the, the Billy Ripken. I think it'd be great if you brought that Billy Ripken to a school and showed it to a bunch of kids. That'd be... He might not last long. <laughs> right. Right. One. Yeah, there are a bunch of, there's like the scribble and the white box. I mean, 89, that was like a ghost, right? Like you were trying to chase all the different versions. You know, PWCC had their list of iconic cards, which we can get into. But to me, they left off some some big ones. Okay, um, so it's it's funny that you have we have all these people. Let's call them hobby experts. PWCC. Mike Payne did three hundred great cards of the twentieth century. You might as well have called it three hundred iconic cards of the twentieth century, right? Um, so. We got, we got the book here. There you go. You got the book. Um, mine's right there on the standing up there. So not all those cards are iconic, but uh, who's going to remember Billy Ripken? hundred, Maybe not Billy Ripken, but they will know that card 100 years from now. You agree? If you're in the hobby, you're going to know the Billy Ripken card. Yeah, because if you're trying to tell the history of, of baseball cards, that one's important because of the era, right? And obviously it was lewd, but error cards were huge. The reverse negatives, the Dale Murphy, the Juan Gonzalez for, you know, your collection, I'm sure it was huge. So, you know, error cards have been really important. And I think if you're telling the, the history of the hobby, you got to include that. Yeah, no doubt. So why don't you show me some cards that you would think is iconic and make an argument for why you think so? Yeah, sure. So I grabbed a few. I mean, no brainer, the 89 Griffey, right? Upper deck. To me, that's in the Mount Rushmore of cards. If we're picking like four 
baseball cards to tell the, the history of this, the, the hobby. Um, does a card does a card need to be old to be iconic? Mm, that's a tough one. Yeah, because I decided to include the uh, the Luca in my list. So is this card iconic yet? Yeah, that's iconic. Okay, it is. But is that card more iconic than his uh, Bowman Chrome rookie auto? Yes, I would wow. say yes. I don't know. That's the whole point of this discussion. Um, can we? Can you tell us the name of the book? Uh, somebody's asking. Yeah, it's three hundred great baseball cards of the twentieth century by Mike Payne. It's it's actually a really, really good book. You can follow the registry, but to me, there are a few misses also in here. Like, sorry, Mike, but the ninety-one Ultra Update Juan Gonzalez. That one hasn't stood the test of time to me. It would be interesting if someone redid that. So then that brings the question up. Does iconic status change over time? Can something yeah. be once iconic and then less? Or not thought so anymore? Yeah, or become more over time, right? Has the OJ card become more iconic? You know, you could argue that. I see a lot of comments for the 84 Donners Mattingly. I think that's huge. I see some comments for this card. Um, you know, so does Bo Jackson become more iconic when there's the next two-sport athlete? Could definitely happen, right? Yeah. He, he, was icon he was an icon, and that card of his, the 90-score Bo Nose card, is just – iconic for the time what it meant at the, i mean all all young men my age wanted to have that poster in their room you know bonos bonos and uh no one will tell you today that any one gonzalez card changed the course of the hobby yeah that's sad and true john ray i've heard of this book before <laughs> Rams every copy. All right. I've got a couple. Would you say I do think age matters on something becoming iconic? No offense to Juan Soto, but his card's not iconic yet. You know, it might be over time if his career plays out properly or whatever. Um, I just, I think that age matters. I mean, I don't know. Let's see. Let me get some old cards here. I've got a ton of cards sitting here. Is this an iconic card? Ted Williams, 48 league. Yeah, absolutely. But can can you can a player have more than one iconic card? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people would go with that card over his rookie, which is in black and white, right? Because it's such a striking image. So if you're telling the history of the hobby, going back to that point, Ted Williams has to be in there. And maybe yeah. that's the a splendid splinter you pick. Yeah, it's I might pick his 41 play ball or you know, it's just an iconic card. Oh yeah, absolutely. So why would this card be more iconic than his 51 Bowman rookie or his 52 tops or it's a good question. Which of these two whoop flip it. Which of these two is more iconic? Dude, that's a lot of awesome maze on the screen right now. 
That's right. Um, what, what big one? I don't want to have to. That's the problem. I don't want to have to pick only one. Uh, neither maze is iconic to me. See, that's. I'm reading these comics and comments, and it's uh it's fascinating to me how we use this word. Um, is this an iconic card? Yeah. But you could argue easily that this card is iconic because of its place in the hobby, the card that shouldn't have been, you know, and there's a story behind not just the player pictured on the card, but the card itself. That's right. right? Yeah. I mean, this is where it gets interesting. If you're picking a hundred cards or 300 cards, you're, you're starting to cut things out. Right. So now you can't have three maze cards, perhaps maybe you only have to go with two. Maybe you can't have three Ted Williams cards. So what's the argument for picking your one Ted Williams? Um, wow. I don't, I don't know that I'd have a good argument. Yeah. Cause the uh, default is with the rookie card, right? But maybe if, there's a non-rookie for the Bo Jackson to me, the black and white one's more important than his rookie cards. Correct. I agree. Um, how about 53 Bowman Pee Wee Reese? Now you're just pandering to the host. Isn't that your favorite card? It is, but, but it's also iconic because it was kind of the first real action shot. Right. And it was different and it was in color and it, I mean, it was just, is P. Ree Reese an icon? No, Hall of Famer, sure. But that card can't tell the story of the hobby without it. I think that's a great definition for iconic sports cards. Can you tell the story of, and you'd probably have to even break it down by sport, but can you still tell the story of basketball cards or football cards or baseball cards without talking about this card? And if the answer is no, then it's pretty iconic. Yeah, I, I agree with that. So if you're thinking about the Mount Rushmore of baseball cards, pick four. Yeah. What, what's on your Mount Rushmore? Sadly, the 52 tops mantle. I agree. Uh, and I say sadly just because I think that card is slightly overrated. Um, I hate that people call it as rookie and it's not. Um, here's his rookie. Right there. That's a rookie card. That's the rookie. So, and I would call this iconic too, but it would not be on the Mount Rushmore of cards. I would put the Wagner on the Mount Rushmore of cards. I would put probably the 89 Upper Deck Griffey on the Mount Rushmore of cards. Me too. And then... The fourth one's, I think, the hardest one. So so that's three. You agree with the first three? I agree with the first three, but I, I don't think we're going to agree on the last one. God, the fourth card. See, to me, it has to be a Ruth card. But I don't know which one I would pick. Would we pick? Do you have this one handy? Uh, let me find it. Yeah, I do, but this wouldn't be it. No, I don't think so either. We bought those within 24 hours of each other, didn't we? <laughs> At the same show. Wow. To this me, would probably be number five, uh, Bill, for me. Okay. I'll show that one too. But 
what what's number four then? Oh my gosh. Jackie? Maybe the 48 leaf, 49 leaf. It's definitely in the conversation. For me, it's this one. But I, I can see why you wouldn't pick it. Oh, love it. The the issue with it is it's obviously not a rookie card, and there's four variations, right? So if you're talking iconic, you know, the Jackie is the one, you know, everyone thinks about that card. Everyone thinks about the Hank Aaron 54 tops. For the Ruth pick, I feel like you need that on the Mount Rushmore. But I can see it being argued away. So most iconic player in the hobby overall, Mickey Mantle. Yes? 100%. Any, any doubt about that? Somebody made a comment earlier about can all Mickey Mantles be iconic cards if he's the icon of the hobby? I mean, to me, no, because there's definitely some oddball Mickey Mantles that don't have that, you know, it, need, it needs to be recognizable, right? Even if it's a rare card, you still got to recognize it. And there's some Mickey Mantles that not everyone recognizes. Okay. Um, all right. We got some votes for their Mount Rushmore's. We've got Wagner, 52 Mantle, 89 Griffey, and 2011 Trout. I don't think that's... Interest. I mean, I don't know that the Trout's gotten there to me. I'd rather have the Ruth every day of the week, twice on Sunday, than a Trout card. But Yeah, but if you're talking the last 30 years, what's the biggest baseball card of the last 30 years? Definitely that Trout, right? Yeah, it is. 54 Red Heart Mantle is iconic. Wow. It's so funny to see the comments. I'm reading the comments, and it is... Uh, interesting to see how many different opinions there are on this subject yeah ray makes a good point there that the sporting news ruth can be in there too it's just such an expensive card right yeah it is and yeah does it iconic need to be obtainable i mean all of us would say the wagner is iconic and none of us none of us will ever own one um so maybe not iconic Definitely. Greatest Dodger of all time, probably, is only rookie. You know, in the last show, they were talking about, like, if you see the the rookie, rookie you know immediately in your head which one it is, right? And same thing right. with the Sanders backs. There's no debate, whereas, you know, some people might think of different trap cards. So I totally agree that recognizable needs to be part of the discussion of a card being iconic um trying to find a particular card that somebody was talking about i don't know if it's in this stack or this stack oh i found it iconic definitely 53 tops page only tops card right a satchel page one of the great pitchers of all time. Um, if you were to think of a set that might have the most iconic cards, which set would it be? Probably 53 tops, right? Because that mantle to me, everyone knows that pose. The 
Jackie is card number one in front of the Brooklyn Bridge, which is awesome. That satchel page, the maze you showed off. Um, so right there, we're already at four. What what do you think? What's your Probably number one? T two hundred six would be the card that would or the set that would have the most iconic cards in it. You, you would, could you argue Bob the Wagner. Would you have some of the really rare ones in there? Um, yeah. You know, what about, you know, a Walter Johnson, right? Cy Young. Cy Young. Um, happen to have that one right here, too. The problem there is variance as well. Just like you mentioned on the 33 Gaudi Ruth, you know, do you use the portrait? Do you use the other card of a player that might have multiple shots? Um you could argue the red back cob and the green back cob are iconic and it's pretty much the same card. Uh, the Lajaway, you know, 34 Gaudi Lajaway would certainly be iconic and none of us will ever own that card either. Um, sorry, I'm just, I, I've got literally a giant stack of cards here that I'm just going through that are arguably iconic or not. Tons of mantles sitting here. So here's a maybe a weird one. Iconic? I think so. But to me, it would be really interesting if you did a top 100 iconic because you start to make some tough calls. Like when I was going through, I did multi-sport, and I thought K-Line for sure would have his rookie on there. And then when it actually came down to it, it didn't make the cut for me. So – when you're going through and you're like, this is, you know, a no brainer, but towards the end, you're going to have to make some tough calls. And I don't know if that one would, would make your top hundred. I wonder how many truly iconic cards there would be. Is there a hundred? Is there 500? Is there a thousand? You know, I think everyone, if you said there's a hundred card number one Oh one is probably still a pretty darn good card. Yeah. I mean, going back to that PWCC list, like this didn't make their list which I thought was crazy. Okay. This didn't make their list. The 86 Donneris Canseco. I mean, this was massive. When he went 40-40, that was such a big deal. This this card changed the hobby. So their list was multi-sport. They had a lot of basketball, I think, voters in there, so it kind of skewed their list. But you got to have the Pete Rose and the Canseco in there for me. Yes, Canseco in terms of hobby definite, you know, if you're defining the hobby, the Conseco card has to be talked about. The Maguire 85 tops traded was a hot card when he was young and an amazingly hot card when during 1998, right? So that's where you get the sport greatness kind of falling, spilling over into the card world, right? Yeah, I mean, the 85 Olympic Maguire has to be in there. Uh, this wasn't in there either, the George Brett rookie. I thought that was a miss. Um, but it's hard. I mean, it's hard coming up with 100. They had, like, Pokemon and stuff in there, too, which, I, you know, I don't collect. So I encourage anyone to do their lists. They they didn't have the 56 mantle in there either. Yeah. Um, so, but they had a lot of, like, Jordan inserts, right? So. It was a different crowd. Um, to me, you've got to have the Pete Rose in there. You just have to. 
and to me, you have to you have to separate it by sport. I think you could have a completely different. I mean, each sport would have unique characteristics that make cards in that sport iconic, right? So, um, I think it'd be better to do it by sport instead of commingling the sports like they did on that list, for example. Before I get too much further, I need to mention this. Uh, Signatures for Soldiers has, uh, they don't know we're doing this, but we're raising money for Signatures for Soldiers all weekend on Hobby Palooza. Uh, you can send the PayPal to me. That's my PayPal address. You can just send me PayPal anytime you want, Any you know, but any money you send me this weekend is going to be donated to uh, signatures for soldiers. I will give them the money at the national. They are the kind of sponsored charity of the national got to do it last year. And it was great to meet Tim and, and give that money to him. So, um, please do that. If you're so inclined, would appreciate that. Great cause. Uh, and I like to say that you are such a vintage guy and love vintage so much that even your email address is dated. GonzalezNut at hotmail.com is just an amazing email address. Yes, it's, uh, it tells you. It tells you a couple of things. The Juan yeah. Gonzalez part and then the Hotmail part, I don't know what's more dated. So Jeremiah is asking, what is Signatures for Soldiers? They're an organization that basically sells autograph cards or gets autographs, sells them and uses that money to help wounded veterans and other veterans with uh, all kinds of things. And so it just kind of ties sports cards and helping out our veterans uh, all, the, all the same. So uh, are there different levels of iconic? Yeah, I mean, we're if we're talking Mount Rushmore, if we're doing like the pyramid, it's just like the Baseball Hall of Fame, right? I mean, there's some people on the top of the pyramid, and then there's, you know. Harold Baines. Harold Baines at the base, right? Right. That's interesting. Like, if you just ask a stranger, you know, name a few baseball cards, they'd probably mention the 89 Griffey Upper Deck. They probably would mention the 52 Tops. Man, yeah. all right. Yeah. I would think so, especially any cards that are newsworthy, right? If you might have a chance to see that card being, you know, it sells for some crazy astronomical amount of money, then that's probably an iconic card. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Try to try to derive a formula out of um, if Juan Gonzalez played in this era, his Bowman Red would be selling for a hundred k right now, right? Sad but true. Um, yeah, and again, I think it's important. We've talked about it. The player's status in the sport as an icon not necessarily equal to sports card iconicness, right? So Jordan would have a few cards on the list, right? I mean, the 80s player Jordan probably is top three for me. Okay. What would be the Mount Rushmore basketball cards for you? Oof, that's tough. I mean, for sure the Jordan and then for sure the Magic 
Bird, Dr. J, rookie. I'd probably have 61 Fleer, Wilt in there. Yep, me too. Fourth card's tough. I mean, you could get into Koozie. Player. You could do Bill Russell's rookie. You could do the Mike in. You could. I mean, probably. Mike in's a good choice, I think. It's a pretty rare card considering. Right. And, you know, there's no equivalent to the Wagner, but it's probably the closest thing for basketball. <laughs> He's like the first big man. Here's a vote for the. Uh... Mount Rushmore basketball. Russell Chamberlain, eighty six Jordan Bird Magic. Any Ben Simmons card? You got John's obviously drinking this morning. Um, Kareem's another good one. Oh, the Kareem rookie. What about Pete Maravich? That's an iconic card, right? Um, yeah, I don't think it's top four, but it's in there. Okay, football. Jim Brown rookie, no question to me. Jerry Rice rookie. Okay. Bart Starr. Yeah. Yeah. You could do Bart Starr, Unitas. There's, there's the Unitas. That one actually didn't make the um, PWCC list. It's hard with the Brady. I mean, his contenders is probably his most iconic card, which is once again so expensive. Sure. And then do you have Joe Montana? To me, that yeah. was like. Huge card growing up. Yeah, football to me, it seems like there's, I mean, obviously I'm a baseball guy, but I also think about football and I think of all these iconic cards in football. And I own, I like those are cards I want to own in my collection to feel like I have a well-rounded collection. I don't need every football card, but I need a Montana rookie, which I have. I need a Rice rookie, which I have. I need a Marino and Elway, which I have. I need a Sweetness rookie, which I have. You know, Lawrence Taylor rookie I want to have, you know, and that's more of me. That's more of me connecting because I watched those players all growing up, you know, Emmett Smith rookie, Barry Sanders, right? Yeah. These are all players that I consider to be iconic. Therefore, I want to own their cards. Is that a wrong way to think about it? I don't know. Yeah, that's a great list. I mean, we need the... uh Scott, Scotty tradition out here. We need uh, Bart, some of the real football experts, probably to break down the top four. But it's tough, man. 89 score, Barry Sanders, the Walt Payton rookie. It's tough. It's tough making a, a call to narrow it down to four. And then you have the old, really old guys. Somebody brought up uh, Nagurski. That's right. You know, so, God. wow, wow, wow. Okay. Um, 35 Chicklay. I call it Chicklay. I know it's Chickle, but Newt Rockney. Um, the name myth rookie could certainly yeah, be Dan the one. Who's that? Dan Marino rookie, 84. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Ah, so much debate. I love it, actually. Because uh, I think what we're getting to is kind of a car a sports card being iconic is in the eye of the beholder if if you said i think this card is iconic who am i to argue with you right who am i to say no that's not iconic um 
trying to look yeah, at it. Like it is subjective, but it would be cool to see your list and it would be also interesting to get like a group. I mean, that's what's cool about what Ray from Philly and, and the guys do around like the Baseball Card Hall of Fame, right? There's there's voting and once you get enough people, there's a little bit more consensus. Yeah. But like any Hall of Fame, it's not perfect. And like you said, even in Mike Payne's book, there were a lot of misses. There's cards now that we would look back and would say, well, they should have, he should have included these cards, you know, and he didn't, and he shouldn't have included these cards, but he did. Yeah. But some it, guys, Sammy Sosa didn't age well. Yeah. Sammy Sosa didn't age well. Um, 88, Greg Jeffries. Yeah. I mean, how many of those chase cards do you have? The Greg Jeffries, the, Leaf Kevin Moss, you know, they're the Brian Taylor Stadium Club. You could you could do a whole you know list just on those. Yeah, Kevin Moss, Matt Nope. Like I'm trying to think of all the guys that were huge, can't miss prospects. Um Strasburg. Thank you, Michael. I am not feeling well, but I am. And iconic status definitely changes over time. I agree. Uh, what'd you say, Strasburg? I think I have that card right up here. I appreciate you playing through the pain, Mike. You're you're a trooper. I am trying, but so remember that card? Oh yeah, Ben McDonald, Phil Plantier. The chat has plenty of other good ones in there too. Is this card iconic yet? Eh, yeah. For me. Not yet. I mean, he's going to get in the Hall of Fame, right? Uh, yeah, he probably will. I don't know probably. that I think he should, but yeah, borderline Hall of Famer, and it's his biggest rookie card, so it wouldn't be in my top hundred. Ooh, here's a good question. Could you could you break up iconic cards by era? I think That's you kind of have. If you're trying to tell the history of the hobby. I think you have to, like, we just did the football list. You can't pick all 80s football cards and have that be your whole, you know, iconic list or your rush one, right? You got to balance it out. What do you think, Mike? Right. I, I think the idea of eras is great. I mean, if you look at the Mike Payne book, he does break it down by decade, you know, and kind of goes through different cards of each decade. I think that would be pretty great. Um, I think this card is totally iconic. The 1990 100%. Reggie upper deck, especially the autograph card, first pack inserted autograph ever. Chase the Reggie, right? Was a huge thing. Um, and another one's like the first refractor, 93 finest. Like, would you go with the Griffey or the Nolan Ryan there? I feel like you got to have one of those cards in there. Yeah. I, I think you've defined it the best that I've ever heard, which is if you can, if you need this card to tell the story of the hobby, it's iconic. If you need that card to do it. And uh, again, that's still subjective because the funny thing is we would all tell a different story about the hobby. If we were, if we had a random person that knows nothing and we had to tell them the history of the hobby, there would be certain things that would overlap and certain things that would be unique to our experience. Right. And to, to where we lived, to our environment. You know, if you live in Philly, 
you know, you're going to tell about Pete Rose. If you're in Texas, I'm going to talk about Nolan Ryan or, you know, more maybe than someone else. I'm going to have more Dodgers on my list. Pepino, man, he has 89 top Steve Jelts. I mean, that Jelts for him, I think that was his last remaining card to make the set. So that was huge for, you know, his collecting journey. 93 upper deck. Oh, that 100% has to be in there. So... Iconic should transcend eras. Otherwise, they're just timely, he says. So, interesting. But you can tell the eras of the sports card, you know, story. I mean, the 93 SP was different. The 93 Finest Set was different. They they launched a, a new technology, a new way to look at cards, right? refractors became a thing and that that matters in the history of the hobby to me yeah i mean if it takes the hobby in a whole new direction right we didn't know that refractors would have this kind of life we didn't know that you know autograph pack pulled cards would be that meaningful i mean the pool holes rookie auto that could be argued too because that kind of changed the direction of of the hobby with the the rookie autos even 93, like if you if you were to say Jeter, you could say, yeah, his SP, foil, his SP card was cool. What about his gold card? That's the first year of gold cards. So now you have this parallel. It, it launched parallels, right? For a long time, it was just regular and gold. And now we have every color under the rainbow as a, as a parallel. But it launched a new era, launched a new direction for the hobby. So do you think it's harder now for a, a card to become iconic because there's so many different variations yes because which one do you pick right Right? i think it's easier to be iconic in the vintage era because there was you know like you said kofax only has one rookie card um 91 desert storm cards are iconic to me yeah and those have an amazing story they do. How cool is that? Um, hopefully we don't have another war like that where we need to have cards made specifically for the soldiers fighting in that war. That's right. Let's hope that doesn't happen. We'll have Ukrainian, you know, free Ukraine tops cards put out. They'll put out a special set or something. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even know about those cards when they first came out, right? So that grew in importance over time. Pino, the size of Bruce Bochy's head is iconic. <laughs> I'd love to hear Pepino's definition of iconic. Yeah, he needs to do a whole video on that, just defining what iconic is to him. 57 tops cards can be considered iconic. So that brings up a great point. I think a set can be iconic beyond just a particular card in the set because of what it meant to the hobby. 57 tops, for example. Would you go Frank Robinson rookie or what card would you even pick that year? I would probably pick the Robinson rookie and definitely an iconic card in my opinion is that one. (laughs) Now everybody's being silly. Uh, Goonies cards were iconic. 
Yeah, I mean, the bus thing is interesting, right? What if Zion becomes a total bus, but we still look back on his cards and kind of reminds us about the pandemic or, you know, it tells us about what collecting was like in 2020. I've literally thought about doing an entire episode on the top 10 dumbest things that happened during the pandemic and, you know, in using the top 10 cards that got stupid expensive because of the pandemic, like the bowl, 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 bowl rookie or um, who's that other guard? Uh, Kobe White. No, the uh, gosh, darn it. There's another kid that played for the Knicks and guard. Dang it. I don't know. There were a lot of basketball cards that went nuts during the pandemic that have no reason to be nuts. But Zion, I don't, does that make the Zion card any less iconic? Because it represented a point in time in the hobby that will probably never be duplicated. Yeah, I mean, we should look back on that in 10 years, right? If a lot of people ended up coming into the hobby during the pandemic and if they stick around and they think about like, what was the first card that they ever bought? It might be the Zion or the Luca, right? And so to them, it might hold a, a special place in their heart, even if it's no longer valuable. I mean, if, if that's the definition of it, then Gavin Lux is iconic. It's a sore subject for a Dodger fan. <laughs> but that card got submitted so much, you know, because it just happened to be at the perfect confluence of, of time or whatever. Um, it is crazy to see like the most submitted cards to PSA. It's completely out of whack with Gavin Lux up there. It is. Uh, yeah, here's a good one. Mark Jackson with the Menendez brothers. I consider that to be an iconic card. I agree. And that wasn't iconic when it came out. And it wasn't even iconic, you know, 10 years ago. I think it was like discovered a little later when they saw that the Menendez brothers were sitting courtside. Yeah. Um. I mean, I'm not thinking of Trey. Oh, that's just going to bug me. Jeremy Lee, Jeremy. Uh, Lynn? Yes. Jer Jeremy Lynn. That's what I'm thinking of. His yeah, cards were nuts for a while. Good documentary on him. I mean, there's still a lot of Lincoln lectures out there. I know a couple. Mike, do you have the Ted Williams giving the thumbs up card? Which card is that? I don't remember a Ted Williams card with him giving a thumbs up. Tell me what it is and I'll, I may have it. So are there any iconic cards on your list for the national? Yes. Um, pro, hold on. I have my list right here. Do you still have the countdown clock to the national on your phone? I do. Yeah, let's see. We're at uh, just under 30 days from today. We'll be at the National. One I'm kind of mad you're not rooming with us, but hey. Next time. That should be a fun, that should be a fun room, though. The 33 DeLong Gehrig is on my list. I consider yeah. that to be an iconic card just because it's sure. different. Um, that's probably the only one on my list that's really iconic. Dave's going to watch this and he's going to want to shoot us probably, but 
They drink every time Mike says iconic. Right. <clears throat> um, what about you? What's on your, do you have any iconic cards on your list? I mean, the one that's been on my list for a long time is the uh, T206 Cy Young portrait. And the other one that's been on my list for a long time is the Tiger Woods Rookie Auto, the SP Authentic at a 900. That's a big card, though. So, you know, would have to move some other stuff to get it. I think shows, big shows like the National or whatever, are times to buy that. I mean, I could buy those bigger cards, right? Those iconic cards. Because you want to share that experience with other people, which is what shows like that are all about. Last year, I remember you bought the Bill Russell, right, at the National. And he died, like, the next day or something. Don't blame me for that, though. Oh, I totally don't. I just think you got incredibly fortuitous timing. That card would have been twice as much the next day. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. I mean, also just to have like a lot of your friends help you with the process, look at the card, maybe talk you out of it if it's a bad, you know, version of it. If you get too set on one card, sometimes it's nice to, you know, have a buddy look at it and be like, yeah, you can you can be a little more patient. So hundred percent it's a kind of is a fun way to look back at the national. You're like, oh, that's the year I got X card. But it's also great that you can do it in like a communal way with your your friends. Did you buy your maze rookie at the national? Yeah, I did, and I think you bought yeah. yours. Right? At the yeah, national. but mine was 2019. You bought yours last year or two years ago? Yeah, two years ago. Yeah, you got yours the year Nate got his, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was a good buy. And Andrew helped me with that purchase. And I've said, you know, he was like, I'm like, I called him. I'm like, I'm about to make it. I think I'm about to make a bad decision. Come over here. And he said, no, you're making a good decision. And so it turns out that was a really good decision to buy that card when I did. But uh, I just wanted a maze rookie. I thought it was a fantastic. I think it's an iconic card. I'm going to use that word again. Drink. Everyone drink. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you also help me like negotiate deals sometimes, playing the bad cop a little bit and coming in and the mantle rookie. You you kind of set like a lower price than I think the dealer originally wanted to go to. But he took it, right? Eventually took it. Yeah. And Josh still come to the pillow fights at the national. It's a good question. Yes, you're still invited to the pillow fights. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, Pepino did touch my Willie at the National. He did. Pepino likes to lick his cards too, so I don't know what happened with that one. Well, luckily it was already encased, or else I wouldn't have let him touch it because I knew he would lick it or wipe it, you know, somewhere that I wouldn't want to need to disinfect the card after we were done. Uh, we only got a couple minutes left. Uh, yeah, I think we've done a good job of not answering the question about what a card needs to be to be iconic. And I think that's the whole point is that it is rather subjective and that's okay. Um, I do think collectors and people should use the that word to describe a card with some amount of reverence in terms of like, hey, don't just call every card. Man, this is such an iconic card. Um, think about that. Um, yeah. I do yeah, want to I think give one. Oh, go, go ahead, Josh. No, I mean, 
a lot of us have more cards than we probably know what to do with. And I think it's a good exercise being like, what are the cards that really matter to us? What's going to stand the test of time that we're going to be happy in our collection. And, you know, this is one way to look at it. Yeah, for sure. Um, thank you to everyone who donated during this stream. Appreciate it. Um, two signatures for soldiers. We've got who's up next on this on the I think it's uh, John Newman doing a little sports card nation. He's doing a vintage round table. We should have been invited to that. Josh didn't make the cut. We did not make the cut on that. Plus I need to go sleep for a little bit so I can get better. Um, man, what I I'm looking forward to seeing you at the show for sure. Um, we both get in on Tuesday and you're leaving Saturday or Sunday. Saturday. Same day as you, right? Yeah, I'm leaving Saturday. Is Sunday for you that big a deal at the National? Do you think it's overhyped, maybe? I mean, it's nice. My One of my son's birthdays falls that weekend, so I definitely can't go this year. But, you know, one year I was there, it was like half empty on Sundays, and people were just like clearing out their showcases. So, you know, it's not, not my favorite day, but you can probably get some deals if that's what you're looking for. What is your favorite day of the show? Wow, good question. Maybe Thursday, Friday, earlier. When you're first taking it all in. How about you? Mine's Wednesday. Because it's, it's all there. Right. It's limitless. So much potential. Well, there's just, if you want a certain card, if I want a 33 DeLong Gehrig, they'll all be there that, on Wednesday. People will well, start snatching them up. Say that again, Josh. Everyone's going to be looking out for that card for you. We'll be texting you. I hope so. Um, I hope I have enough money to be able to buy it. But um, Pepino hopes I have cardboard dreams. I do dream about baseball cards. Is that sad? I do too, actually. I don't think it's something to be embarrassed about. <laughs> Good. Not embarrassed. Well, guys, our time is up. Make sure you go check out all the rest of Hobby Palooza today. It'll finish up uh, tonight. Next up is uh, Sports Card Nation, John Newman and friends doing a vintage roundtable. Go enjoy. We'll talk to you guys soon. Keep collecting. Thanks, Josh. Yes. Great to see you. Let's end this sucker. See you guys later. Keep collecting. <laughs>